be seated. Is anybody in the house pumped up? Come on, church, wake up. Are you pumped today? Hey, it's good to be with you. I'm Ronnie Coleman. I pastor SoulQuest Church in Jackson, Tennessee, and what a joy it is to be with you guys today. I want to ask you to go ahead and take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Ephesians, all right? Ephesians chapter 2, and uh, I want to read to you, starting in verse 1, and I want to read down through verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, we'll start reading in verse 1. Hey, guys, don't miss tonight. I'm preaching to the church tonight. I believe God's given me a word for us. And uh, I want you to come back and be a part of that. Invite a friend. Ephesians 2 and verse 1. Are you there? Say, I'm there. The Bible says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and in which formerly you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as the rest. Verse 4, but God. Everybody say, but God. <laughs> Folks, God will change your life, amen? amen? But God. What does he say? But, but God, being rich in mercy... Because of his great love, which, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together. I love this. Watch this. With Christ, by grace, you've been saved. Verse 7. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to key in on verses 8 and 9. If there's one passage of Scripture in the Bible that shows us how to have a relationship with God, this is it. Now, I know that John 3, 16 is a big verse. It's a powerful verse. But Ephesians 2, 8, 9 gives us step by step how we can come into relationship with God. Now, listen, guys. I'm not talking about religion. God changed my life. I went from being religious to having a relationship with God. Listen, we live, we live in the dirty south. Everybody is a Christian in the dirty south. At least they think they are. But I believe that a whole lot of people have, re have religion, but they don't have relationship. What does it say? Verses 8 and 9, the Bible says, For by grace, say grace, grace. you have been saved through faith. Say faith. faith. And not out of yourselves is a gift of God not as a result of works, so that no man may boast. Let's go ahead and read verse 10. The Bible says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so that we would walk in them. Would you pray with me one more time? Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I'm going to ask you today, unless it's absolutely an emergency, please don't get up and move around. It may be somebody around you that needs to hear the message of the gospel. I'm going to ask you today to just simply pray this prayer. Whether you are a Christian, whether you're a follower of Christ, or maybe you just kind of 
kind of stumbled in here today and maybe somebody begged you, maybe somebody pled with you to come, maybe they came and picked you up and you said, man, I don't know about this God thing, I don't know about this church thing, would you also pray? Would you simply pray a prayer like this, God, speak to me today. God, just speak to me today. God, if you're real, show that you're real today. Speak to me. Would you do that? I want to talk to you about how you can move from relation, from uh, religion to relationship. Father in heaven, God, we ask you today, God, that you would remove the blinders from eyes, that you would open up our hearts. And Father, I pray that when we leave this place, we would have examined ourselves to know whether or not we're in the faith. Father, show us today that a real relationship with God will change us forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It was 40 years ago, I was minding my own business. I was nine or almost 10 years of age. I was in my bedroom in Nashville, Tennessee. We lived on Dunstan Drive out off of uh, Interstate 65 going south out of Nashville. My mom and dad called us into the living room. I have three sisters. My youngest sister was just a baby. She was just born, but I had a middle sister and an older sister. And they called us all into the living room, and they set us down, and they began to tell us, hey, kids, we're moving from Nashville. That's all I knew. All my buddies were in Nashville. We're leaving Nashville, and we're going to a small town in West Tennessee. It's called Milan. I'm like, why? <laughs> Anybody know where Milan is? They probably beat you in football a time or two. Come on, amen. Oh, I just got booed out of here. We're moving to Milan, and we said, but mom and dad, why? I mean, all our friends are here, man. We hang out. We do stuff. Why? Why are we moving to Milan? And dad spoke up. He worked for American Airlines, and he said, it's just a lot easier to raise kids in a smaller town. I think it's going to be better for us economically. I had no idea what that was, but the next thing I knew, we were packing up a U-Haul, and they were, we were driving down the old highway... That's how old I am. We were driving down the old highway, and we moved to this place called Milan. We moved into this old house. It was a fixer-upper. Every time it rained, it rained on the inside of the house. Back in the day, when you moved, if you had any church background at all, when you moved to a community, what you did was you went to the closest church. Now, depending on what your denominational background was at the time, we were a Southern Baptist, and so when we moved to the community, the very next Sunday, we were down at the First Baptist Church in Milan, Tennessee. I mean, that very Sunday, we didn't look at any other churches, that very Sunday, we walked an aisle, my mom and dad took the pastor by the hand, his name was Denzel Dukes, and he took them and he said, we want to join the church. It was a few weeks later. I'd gotten kind of used to Milan, and I had already developed a few friends, and one of my friends was named Ben. He, 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 we did a lot of stuff together. We, we hung out together, and one Sunday, we were sitting on the far, far, can I get, do I have to stay up here, Pastor? One Sunday, I can't, ADD. One Sunday, I was sitting on the very back row, way back here with my friend Ben, at the invitation, you know what that is, the invitation time? That's at the end of the service when there's a, like a commitment time for people to, to get saved or lives to be changed. Ben, here he is. Ben Elbow. What's your name, brother? Ben Dog. What, Sean? Ben Elbows me. He said, hey, Ronnie, let's go down. What for? Man, let's go down. You know, we need to, we need to go down. We need to go down and get baptized. He elbowed me. What's your name? Sean. Sean. 
Ben elbowed me. He said, so I, I just follow what Ben said. We went down. We took Brother Denzel Dukes by the hand. Brother Denzel Dukes, I'm sure, I'm sure he led me in a sinner's prayer. I don't remember. We filled out a card. Anybody ever done that? We filled out this little card. The very next Sunday night, the pastor had me and Ben in the baptistry. We were being baptized. Ten years of age. Fast forward four years. When I was 14 years of age, I had a friend of mine that invited me to his home. He had a small, modest home. We walked into the house, and when we got inside of the house, one living room, connected kitchen, one bathroom, two bedrooms, man, that was it. But I noticed when we walked in the house, to the far right in the corner, there was this beautiful piece of furniture. It had glass in it on every side, but it was walnut or cherry or something. It was really, really pretty. And inside, watch this, inside of this piece of furniture, this glass casing, were the most beautiful bottles that you'd ever seen. The devil has a way of making sin look good. I said, hey, man, what is that? He says, my mama's liquor cabinet. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. He said, that's tequila and rum and vodka. And it wasn't no little, listen, it wasn't no Bud Light, friends. I mean, this was the hard stuff. And he said, you ever had any of that? I said, no, I haven't, 14 years of age. He said, you want to try? I said, sure, why not? 14 years of age. I took my first drink, and the drink took me, and for the next several weeks, or several, two years, actually, Every weekend we were out getting drunk. I don't know if I ever became an alcoholic. I don't know. I don't know all that. I don't think so. But we drank every single weekend, every single weekend, all the while. Now watch this. All the while, I was in church every Sunday. Not only was I in church, I was faithful. Not only was I in church, but my youth pastor formed a youth council. I don't know if you know what that is or what that was. I don't know if anybody does it anymore. But it was a group of the most faithful, the most faithful teenagers in the church. I was one of them. It was a few parents. And he formed this youth council. And we met with the youth pastor once a month to pray for the events coming up and to schedule events for our youth group. Friend, listen to what I'm telling you. From 14 until 16, from 10 until 16, I was very faithful in the church. I had a good dose of religion, but I did not have relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And I'm afraid that we are living in a day today where so many people in our churches are in the same position. It wasn't until I was 16 years of age and I went to a youth rally. That's how old I am. You remember the, how many remember the youth rallies? All the old people. Amen. <laughs> we went to a youth rally. This time I wasn't sitting on the back row. Nothing wrong with sitting on the back row. But I was on about the second row. Right about here, brother. The guy got up and he began to preach. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He said, if you are, watch this. He said, if you've been born again, you are a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all of a sudden, 
My heart began to pound out of my chest. We call that conviction. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God began to speak to my heart. He began to nudge me. He began to elbow me. It wasn't being this time. It was the Holy Spirit of God. Friend, nobody had to tell me to come down front. I got out of my seat at the invitation time. I walked down. I got on my knees before a holy God, and I said, Jesus Christ, if you can do something with this old sinner, God, I'll give you my life. I don't want religion anymore. I want a relationship with you. Here's the question today. Do you have a relationship with God? I'm not talking about church. I'm not talking about baptism. I'm not talking about praying a prayer. There's nothing wrong with praying a prayer as long as you mean it from your heart. I'm not talking about filling out a card. I'm not talking about going through confirmation. I'm not talking about going through some class. I'm talking about a real relationship with God. Do you have it? Do you have it? Let me just share with you. Well, let me ask you two questions today. Number one, what is a relationship with God do for you. You ever wonder that? Why do, I, why, why do I need a relationship with God? What would a relationship with God do for me? Well, number one, it makes you alive. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5, it makes us alive. Friend, we are living in a day where people are just starving for life. They're starving for joy. They're starving for peace, for fulfillment. And they try to fill this void that's in their heart with drugs and alcohol and pornography and everything else the world offers. They try to fill this void with, with, with wealth and, and fame and, and all this stuff. Can I just tell you, nothing, nothing, nothing will fill this God-shaped void except for Jesus. I remember... When I would come home, drunk as a skunk, throw up all. Why in the world? Listen, I'm not the sharpest knife in a drawer. Why do we call that fun? Man, I drink all night. I come home, throw up all night. Don't worry, it's early enough. You got a long time before lunch. I'd throw my guts up all night long. I'd wake up the next morning, and I didn't remember what I had done. And you give your life to Jesus. You can have fun. We, we, we market our church all the time, Pastor, by saying it's fun. People say, well, you shouldn't say it's fun. Well, why not? Man, the house of God ought to be the most enjoyable, peaceful, joyful, happy place on the planet. We got, we got interviewed by the Jackson Sun the other day because of the rapid growth of our church. We're three years old. We're running over 400, and we've seen well over 400 people come to know Christ as Lord and Savior in our three-year period. And, uh, and I said, funny. She kind of looked at me funny. I said, I think it's a sin to make church boring. How in the world can we make the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ Boring. He makes us alive. Oh, I'm so glad. He makes us alive. And then, listen, why do I need a relationship with God? Because he will make you alive. And number two, he'll give you fellowship with God. Now, now get this. I don't want you to just, I don't want to gloss over this. I don't want this to go over your head. He gives us fellowship with God. Ephesians 6 and the first part, uh, uh, chapter 2, verse part is verse 6. Jesus will, will be the best friend that you've ever had. Jesus will go with you wherever you go. Let me tell you what happens when you give your life to Christ. Real quick. 
When you give your life to Jesus, and many times we say, I want to invite Christ into our life, what we're actually doing is we're inviting the presence of God to come into our lives. In the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've got a similar God background, it's the Holy. <laughs> All right, whatever. So we invite the presence of God to come and live inside of us, and everywhere we go, the Holy Spirit of God goes with us. Man, that's good. But it can be bad. Some of you are like, man, if I could just fake him out once or twice. Good luck. You can't do it. Listen, he gives us fellowship with him. We can talk to God. Now, listen, I, I don't want to. I'm not about bashing other churches or denominations or even religions, but I want to tell you something. I thank God for this. Listen to me. I don't have to go into a black box with a curtain on it to talk to God through a man. I can go straight to God. I can go straight to God the Father through his son. What does a relationship with God do for us? It makes us alive. It gives us fellowship with God. It also gives us a home in heaven. Whew, that's good stuff. Yesterday, yesterday, I, uh, is that clock for me? Is that one for me? 28, counting down. All right, let me hurry. Yesterday, yesterday I had the privilege and the opportunity to officiate a funeral for a friend who got saved under our ministry. We went and did a Soul Quest event in Union City, Tennessee. And this man, he was 50, he's 59 years old. He just went to be with Jesus. But he was an alcoholic. Man, his life was all screwed up. Anybody in here, your life just been screwed up before? I never forget after that service, tons of teenagers came to Christ that night. This big old, big old man, we called him Big Dave because he was big. <laughs> big Dave came to me and said, hey, he said, Pastor, Man, if I died right now, I wouldn't go to heaven. I'd go to hell. I need Jesus. Well, Big Dave gave his life to Jesus that night. There was another pastor that helped yesterday officiate the funeral. He did the first part. And uh, Big Dave hated this pastor <laughs> before he got saved. He didn't want anything. This pastor drove him nuts. I mean, he was after him all the time. Big Dave, you need Jesus. Big Dave, he said, leave me alone. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear what you got to say. Big Dave's a big guy. This guy kept on and kept on. And Big Dave just didn't like this guy. One day, this guy said, this pastor, they call him Preacher Man in Bradford, Tennessee. This man was in the local grocery store, and Big Dave walks in. And Big Dave, when he saw he turned, it's all Big Dave. And I'm like, okay, here comes Big Dave. And he's walking fast towards me. And Big Dave started hollering out at the top of his lungs, Preacher man, I need to talk to you. Preacher man was like, oh, oh, no. Lord, let me disappear. He got all the way back to him. And he said, Preacher man, you don't have to worry about me anymore. I got saved. And I'm getting baptized at Soul Quest Church. I'm going to heaven when I die. You don't get saved just so you can go to heaven, but I want to tell you, it's a pretty good, pretty good deal. It beats hell. Sure beats hell. Question number two. Question number one, does, what does a relationship with God do for us? Number two, how do I get this relationship with God? How do I get this relationship with 
God. Well, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Number one, he said, it is by grace. What is grace? God's love. God's riches at Christ's expense. Can I tell you something? I don't know if you've been told this or not in a while, but can I just tell you? Maybe you've not been here the last two weeks, or maybe you've never been here, because I know this pastor tells you this all the time, but maybe you've not heard it. Can I just tell you, God loves you. No, 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 no. You didn't get that. Let me say it again. God is absolutely in love with you. Now, now wait a minute. If I was in a charismatic church, these people would be going cray-cray. Listen to me. God absolutely loves you. Oh, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, you don't, know, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I was doing this morning. You don't know what I was looking at on my computer screen today. You don't know what I, you don't know where I was, what I was smoking. You don't know what I was shooting up. You don't know how I treated my wife. You don't know me. No, I don't. But God does, and he still loves you. He loves you. God loves you, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For the wages of sin is death, but, everybody say but. but. Come on, you can say but in church. Say but. but. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I got two kids. As a matter of fact, there at Soul Quest Church, my son is my, Chad, he's my operations pastor, which means he just kind of runs a show. He takes care of everything that takes, he's administratively minded. Duke can do anything. He dots I's, he crosses T's. You know, you got to have people like that. Because most of the time, I don't know about Chad, but most of the time us pastors, we're big, big picture guys. We're vision guys. I don't know if I'm reading your mail or not, but you got to have somebody. My son, man, he does that. He's so good at, well, at his job. My daughter, yeah, the church, the staff is my family. And it's a good thing. My daughter's my worship leader. I love her to death. She's just found out she's pregnant with our second grandbaby. Yeah. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, this coming thir- Thursday, we're having a reveal party. Y'all know what that is? We didn't do that back in the day, but now, man, you got to hit a softball that explodes with pink powder or whatever. They couldn't afford that, so they went and got a ball that you, like a big egg, and they, you, you, they put powder in it, and they painted it like a football, and they're going to keep my, listen, my son-in-law played football, but he was an offensive lineman. He wasn't a skill player. They were worried about him hitting the ball, you know. I love my kids. I, I, I won't, listen, I love to brag on my kids. I absolutely love my kids. My son's 25. My daughter is 21. Both of them are getting ready to turn the next year in, in the next couple of months, and I love my kids. And if you were to come to me and you were to say to me, Hey, Ronnie, I'll make a deal with you. If you'll let me have Austin, if you'll let me have Madison, and take your children out in the backyard and do whatever I want to do with your kids, if you'll let me have Austin and Madison and take them out in the backyard and slap them around and humiliate them by stripping them down, if you'll let me have your kids and let me beat them with a rod, Put a crown of thorns on their head. Take a cat of nine tails and beat them until their body is not recognizable. Hey, Ronnie, if you'll give me your two kids and let me take your kids and nail them to an oak tree in my backyard, then I'll get saved. 
Can I just be honest? Can we just be real? Transparent? If that's what it took for you to die and go to heaven, you'd have to die and go to hell because you ain't getting my kids. I love you. I really do. But I don't love you that much. But I know somebody who does. God the Father 2,000 years ago didn't just talk about love, but God proved his love, and he gave his own son to die in your place and in my place. For by grace, everybody say grace. Grace. Are you saved? Through faith. Faith. Faith is not just believing in your head. It's trusting in your heart. The Bible says that even the demons believe and they tremble. If you ask 99.9% of people in Mayfield, Kentucky, I promise you today, do you believe in God? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross? Do you believe that Jesus rose again the third day? I guarantee you most everybody will say absolutely yes. But it's not believing in your head. It's trusting in your heart. Through faith. Faith. I heard about a dad and his little girl driving home from church one day. And the pastor had preached on faith. Salvation faith. There's also faith after you get saved. Don't think there's just one kind, but there's faith when you get saved. But he, he was preaching on salvation faith. And she said, Dad, on the way home, she said, Dad, I don't get it. Dad, I don't understand. Daddy, could you explain to me what faith is? I, I, I just don't comprehend what he's talking about they got home and they got into their house it was one of those houses like my grandmother's where it was one story but it had a basement underneath and you go through a door and it goes out to a platform and then it kind of turns and turns again he said honey I want you to stand up here at the top of the steps and there was a little light you know the little bulbs you just pull the little chain He pulled the little chain, and then he went downstairs. And he turned the the lights off downstairs, and he said, Honey, can you see me? She said, No, Daddy, I, I can't see you. He said, Well, I can see you. Honey, I want you to do something. I want you to jump to me. Sweetheart, I I want you to jump to me. But Daddy, Daddy, I can't see you, Daddy. Daddy, Daddy, I'm scared, Daddy. I can't see you, Daddy. I don't know where to jump, Daddy. Just jump straight. I'll catch you. But Daddy, I'm scared. I'm scared. He said, sweetheart, do you believe your Daddy will catch you? She said, oh, Daddy, I, I know you'll catch me, but Daddy, I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. And finally, she leaped out into the dark, into the hands of her father. He said, honey, that's faith. You see, faith is not a leap into the dark as much as it is a leap into the arms of God. Can I just illustrate it like this? I need need four of the biggest, strongest guys in the place that don't have back problems. You got back problems? Come here. You got back problems, brother? Where's the big dude? It looks like me, but he's a lot better looking and he's really big. It played and sang. Dude. Huh? Get up here, man. You better get up here. I need one more guy, one more guy that's really big. Right here, brother, right here. You, don't be looking around. You're the man. Come on. 
I want you to stand right here. I want you to stand right here. Face him. You to stand right here. You stand across from him. Dude, man, you on steroids or what? <laughs> now look, there's a reason why I picked out four big, strong guys. Did you notice I didn't pick out a place kicker? <laughs> or a punter? Now, some punters may be big, but these guys, here's the deal. Here, here's what I want to show you. Faith is, not, faith is not a leap into the dark. Faith is a leap into the arms of God. I want you to understand something. Look at me. Everybody look at me. I want you to understand something. You can leap into the arms of God because I got good news for you. Are you ready? He will catch you. This is not a big deal for me. I'm not a, I used to be an athlete. Everybody over the age of 40 says that, right? Man, I was good. I was good. What are you? Time out. What are y'all doing? See, I trust them more than y'all trust them. But if I get back here, if I get all the way back here and I ran with, run with everything, now I've got psoriatic arthritis, I've got back issues, L4 and L5, I got some stuff, but I know that they'll catch me and catch me softly. All right, I'm going to exchange a couple of these guys. Huh? So let's just illustrate it. It's not a big deal for me to get back here and run with everything that I've got. Because I knew, because I knew that these two guys would catch me. Y'all didn't. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Are you sweaty now? What's up, bro? My point is this, if you'll take the leap, man, if you'll take the leap and say, well, I, I just don't know. I don't know if that God thing works. Can I just tell you, our God is big, our God is strong, our God will catch you. Grace, faith. And then he says, Apart from works. We got people in our world today, that's what religion is, isn't it? Man, they're trying to claw their way to God. Man, if I could just do a good, enough good deeds. If my good deeds just outweigh my bad deeds. Man, I can make it to heaven. For by grace he is saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of Works lest any man should. Now, I want to make a statement. I want you to listen to me. If you could be good enough to get to God, if you could do enough good stuff to get you to heaven, if you could, which you can't, but if you could, you can't, but if you could, if you could do enough good stuff to outweigh your bad stuff and you got to heaven that way, do you know what you'd be doing? You wouldn't be at the feet of Jesus thanking him and praising him and worshiping him. You'd be over in the corner patting yourself on the back because you did it. You did it. Friend, let me tell you something. There'll be none of that in glory. You don't get saved because you do good stuff. You get saved because God the Father loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. Grace. Faith, apart from works, solely 
through Christ. Solely through Christ. Brother, where are you at? Come play something for me softly. There he is. Solely through Christ. Now, guys, I know we're living in a politically correct world. And I know it's politically correct to say that there are multiple ways to God. Look at me. Everybody look at me. Well, I, I watched an Oprah Winfrey episode 10 years ago. And Oprah said that God is like the hub of the wheel. And there's different spokes going off of it. As long as you're on one of those spokes, it's going to get you to the center, to euphoria, to paradise, to God. I got a Greek word for that. Baloney! The only way that you, listen to me. The only way that you can get to God. Just play something softly for me, brother. The only way that you can have a relationship with God is to come to the end of yourself. As I did in 1983. And I knelt down in an old-fashioned altar. And I said, Jesus, I've played the religion game. I've been going to church. I'm active in church. I've been baptized. I've filled out cards. I've gone through the survival kit. God, 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 I've done that stuff, but my life is not real. I'm a hypocrite, God. And God, I'm, I'm out living in the world Monday through Saturday, and then I come to church on Sunday, and I try to be somebody I'm not. I'm wearing a mask, God. But God, if you can change me, God, if you can change me, I need you to fill this God-shaped void in my life. God, I give you my life. I give you my all. Tired of playing church. Tired of playing religion. Tired of playing games. For this is not a joking or a laughing matter. This is real, real life. That night I said, God, I don't know how to pray the prayer. I don't know how to say the words. But God, if you can take me and change me and give me an inner peace that I've never had. God, I give you my life. Can I tell you something? From that day on, I'm 49 years old now. And I want to tell you something. I'm not perfect. Oh, I'm messed up. I'm not sinless but I sin less. I'm not a perfect child of God. I'm striving every day, but I want to tell you something that happened to me from the inside out. Jesus became my Lord and my Savior, and he changed my life.
Has he changed your life? That's the question. Do you have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus? Or do you just have church or religion? Are you banking on your baptism? Do you know him tonight, today? Do you know him? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. All over this room, the Spirit of God is moving. Right now, the Spirit of God has been convicting several hearts in this place. I know it. How many of you would say, Ronnie, if I were to die today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I would go and be with God in glory. Not because I'm religious, not because I'm good, but because I've been forgiven and because I have a relationship with God Almighty. If you can give that testimony, lift your hand up high. Thank you. Put your hands down. So many of you could not raise your hand. Sir, ma'am, young person, teenager. Can I give you some, <laughs> some awesome news? Before you leave these doors today, you can have a relationship with God. You can you can. So I want to be saved. I, I want a relationship with God. But how, how, can I, how can I know him? How can I have this relationship with God? How, how, how? The Bible says if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Would you do it? There's a misconception in America, and it goes like this. Because I, I'm an American, and this is a Christian nation, which is debatable anymore. Because this, this is America. I was born in America. And because this is a Christian nation, I'm a Christian. Listen, friend, I don't work like that. Well, my grandfather, my grandmother, they were missionaries to Africa. God has no grandchildren or great-grandchildren. Are you his child? John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons and the daughters of God. Wouldn't you like to give your life to Jesus, sir? You've tried everything else. Your marriage is falling apart. Your finances are upside down. Your addictions are going crazy. You can't get anything done. You get let go from every job because you just can't concentrate because all the stress and all the junk in your life. I'm not telling you that Jesus will make your life so much easier, but I'm telling you that as you go through life, Jesus will be your strength. He'll carry you. He'll comfort you. He'll help you through dark times. If you'd like to be saved today, only if you mean this with all of your heart, I want you to pray this prayer in your heart silently, not to your neighbor, not to me, but to God. Pray this prayer if you'd like to have a relationship with him. Say, dear God, come on, just pray it. Dear God, I know you love me. Jesus, I know you died for me. I know you rose again the third day. God, I confess I messed up. I'm a sinner. I've fallen short of your glory. And God, I need you. I need you, Jesus. I want to give you my life. I want to turn my back on my sin and myself. And I want to turn my life to you, Jesus. Jesus, right now, I ask you, would you be my Lord and my Savior? I want a relationship with you. Save me. Save me, Jesus. Save me. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for saving me.
I'm going to live for you the best way I know how from this day forward. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one looking around. If you just prayed that prayer with me, could you, would you allow me to just pray for you? I'm not going to call you out by name. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to ask you on the count of three, would you just lift your hand up all over this room from the front to the back, from the left to the right, all over this place. And if you're in the back, I don't have my glasses on, just wave at me. All over this place. If you just now prayed that prayer with me, I want you to lift your hand on three. One, two, three. Hold them up high. Come on, hold them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. One. Keep them up. In the back, wave. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. In the very back, wave. I see you, 16, 17. Father in heaven, I pray. God, I pray for all of these. God, that you'll give them them boldness, boldness, boldness to stand for you today and to stand for you the rest of their lives. Oh, God, thank you for saving souls in the service. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Guys, the Bible tells us that when one person on earth gets saved, that the angels in heaven go a little bit cray-cray. A little bit. They throw a party, so you be ready. I mean, they, they throw a celebration. They throw a party. The angels in heaven over one person. Friend, we just had 16, 17, 18 people that just asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of their life. Now listen to me. In a moment, those of them that really meant business with God and they're going to stand for God, this place is going to come unclued. It's going to come just, uh, it's good. Every Sunday at our church, when people stand, we have people saved every Sunday. And when they get saved and they stand to their feet, I mean, the place just goes crazy. Why? Because we ought to celebrate more than the angels do. Because we have been where they are. The angels have never experienced the grace of God. We have. We have. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Every one of you that lifted your hand a moment ago on the count of three, I want you to simply stand where you are. Just stand up right where you are on three, and this place is going to come unglued. And you remain standing, all right? Here we go. Every one of you, only if you meant it, every one of you who prayed and asked Christ to save you, on three, stand to your feet. One, two, three, stand up. Look at Stand up. Wait a minute, wait a minute, don't stand up. All right, look, look, look. Look here. Every one of you, every one of you, friend, listen. I've decided that if you can't live for Jesus inside of a building in the atmosphere like this, you'll never stand for him outside of these four walls. I want to ask you, we got counselors. We want to give you guys some free stuff, all right, and tell you how you can grow in your faith. So I want to ask you, guys, play something for me, upbeat. All right, I'm going to ask you on three, get out of your seat and come stand right here and right here. One, two, three, come on right now. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Come on, church. 
Waking up knowing there's a reason. Stand right here, stand right here. I need some counselors. Hey guys, I need y'all to walk this way, okay? Guys, we're gonna walk this way. Follow Pastor Chad, he's gonna give you some stuff. Follow Pastor Chad. Come on, Chad! If you're out there, keep the bass. I like that bass thing. What is that thing? Hit that, man. That's, isn't that good? Yeah. Hey, guys, if you're out here, you asked Christ to save you, and you didn't come, it's not too late. You come on right now. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right, everybody look at me. Would you just give it up for God? Let me say one other thing, and I'm going to turn it over to your pastor. Friend, do please pray for the next service, okay? Please pray that people's lives will be touched and changed by the gospel. And then please, please be back tonight. We're going to be in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. It's my ministry passage of Scripture. We based our ministry on it. I've been in ministry full-time for 27 years. This is it. We're going to talk about the subject, whatever it takes. What is it going to take to reach this county for Christ? What is it going to take? Wouldn't it be great to have three or four or five services here on a Sunday? Chad's like, oh, I'm already tired, man. All right, what about knocking some walls out and building a bigger worship center? Friend, listen to me. we got to do whatever it takes to reach people that are far from God. Please, please be back be back tonight. Thank you so much. God bless.